It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and today we're going to be talking about blood pressure. And I don't want you to tune out for a minute and think, this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you, your family members, and our community. So we've brought in some experts. Dr. Barry Stoltz is a professor of medicine with the University of Utah. He's also a hypertensive consultant with the State Department of Health, and he knows about blood pressure. Dr. Stoltz, thank you so much for joining us today. What a pleasure to have you back in studio. Also with us is Kelly Robinson. Now, she is with what's called the Million Heart Coalition. Uh, Is your title the director of that coalition, Kelly? Coordinator. Coordinator. And so we have a few things that we're going to first describe on the big picture. Mm -hmm. Number one, tell me a bit about the Million Heart Coalition. The Million Hearts Coalition was started by the Center for Disease Control and Health and Human Services as a way to reduce a million heart attacks and strokes before um, at first it was the year 2017, and now they've expended, extended it to 2022 because so many different states have had such great partners in this kind of mission to reduce the number of heart attacks and strokes. And actually here in Utah, we... Um, have a really, really strong coalition that includes University of Utah Health Systems, Intermountain Health Systems, uh, a lot of your local health department people, and um, even some private people who provide the monitors. And so we come together and try to look at ways that we can affect and reduce the number of heart attacks and strokes here in Utah. Now, as you bring that up, and Kelly, I know that you know a lot of this as well, but I'm going to go to Dr. Stoltz for just a minute on this. Why is it so important for us as a country to understand that we have a communal problem? We have a lot of blood pressure out there. Why is that so important for us to understand the importance of what our blood pressure is and getting it lower in a healthy range? The first reason is that hypertension is the leading risk factor for global mortality and global morbidity, above smoking, above everything. Hypertension is where the action is. Two-thirds of strokes, one-half of uh, chronic kidney disease, one-half of heart failure, one-third of dialysis patients, one-quarter of myocardial infarctions, and 16% of all deaths are directly attributable to hypertension. You know, the other day I was doing some research on blood pressure, trying to understand it better. So I'm going to go to you guys for just a bit. Blood pressure is what? It represents what? And why is it a a good um, indicator of how our cardiovascular system is functioning? Well, blood pressure, the top number, which is called the systolic blood pressure, uh, represents uh, what happens to the pressure in the arteries when the heart squeezes blood out during systole, during the compressive phase. The bottom number is called the diastolic blood pressure, and it represents uh, the pressure in the arteries when the heart relaxes. We used to think that diastolic blood pressure was the primary determinant of cardiovascular risk, but we now know that the predominant risk is the systolic or top number. The systolic blood pressure is the primary risk factor. 
Diastolic blood pressure, still important. Systolic, the top number, more important. And I'm going to ask a follow-up on that for those like me that maybe had anatomy a long time ago but can't remember that much more. So when the heart, it, does it that top number, that, the systolic, is that showing how effectively or how hard the, has, the heart has to work in order to push that blood out? Uh, it represents uh, very complex. Okay. The systolic blood pressure depends on uh, the squeeze of the heart. It depends on the stiffness of the arteries themselves. It depends on the ability of the arteries to relax. Very complicated. Right, but very important. Now, Kelly, how many years have you been working with the Million Hearts Coalition? The coalition's been in existence about four years. Um, Prior to that, you know, we've worked in heart disease issues and stroke issues for 15 years. And and is Utah, I mean, are we as a state at the same risks as other populations across the country for for heart disease and high blood pressure? We do know, and you can always correct me, Dr. Stoltz, if you, but we, we are pretty average across the state, but we do know that... The African-American population is at a much higher risk, um, and we don't have a very big African-American population here. So that does um, change our numbers. But um, when we look across the board, um, about one in three people with hypertension across the nation, and we're about the same. So I'm going to look at our population in Utah. Correct me. I think we're at about 2 million or so, maybe a little bit more. Or if I even round up to three million, mm-hmm. and then I look and say one third it, yeah. of us are walking about. So, Doctor Stoltz, not a surprise to you because this yeah. has been a, an area of expertise for you. So basically, one third of American adults, or thirty percent of American adults, have a blood pressure of one forty over ninety or higher. Uh, but at age sixty, sixty-five percent have a blood pressure one. 40 over 90 or higher. And if you're fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to live to be 90, more than 90% of us will have a blood pressure 140 over 90 or higher. It's sobering. And and, and uh, sometimes when we hear stark numbers like that, our first instinct, and, I, and I'll own up to this, is to kind of close our eyes and say, it just seems too big, too scary. I think I'll just go back, you know, to work tomorrow and, and, and let it go because it's out of my control. But today we're going to be talking about ways that we can, number one, understand the importance of our blood pressure, learn adequately how to measure that blood pressure so we, so we have a good idea on, on our heart health and some of the things that we can do to lower that blood pressure so it's in a healthier zone. For those who've just joined us, by the way, Dr. Barry Stoltz uh, is a consultant with the Department of Health, a hypertensive. Um, I'm going to say that he's a blood pressure uh, expert. Are, are you cardiologist? Nope. Blood pressure expert. That's better to, to use that. Kelly Robinson is with us as well. She is the director of the Million Hearts Coalition, which is actually, if, I, if you take a look at the country, you can say that there are um, partners all across the country that are partnered together, joined together to try to help us increase our health and understand the risk that high blood pressure plays mm-hmm. in our heart health. So that's what we're discussing today. So you said big numbers. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have high blood pressure. How do we, number one, assure ourselves um, that we're getting correct readings? Where do we go to make sure we know what our blood pressure is a number? Because that's what we're going to start with is to identify, do I have high blood pressure? How do I determine that? The safely? very first step 
is you have to go have your blood pressure measured. And 16% of hypertensives in the United States do not even know they have high blood pressure because they don't have their blood pressure measured. Every adult needs their blood pressure measured at least once a year. I'm thinking about that because you also indicated that anyone over, was it the age of 60? Was that such a dramatic higher risk? So so all of us need to get that annual check. And annual the, blood pressure mm-hmm. for all adults. And assume that the older we get, it's that much more even urgent for us to get that measured. Okay, that's Absolutely. step number one. When we are trying to make sure we get the assessment, are there things for us to look for? Because often we're getting our blood pressure met, uh, measured, we're thinking accurately next to the pharmacy next door or whatever it may be. So is, is that a safe and accurate place for us to get our blood pressure met? The pharmacy is probably not the best place to get your blood pressure measured. There are some uh, devices in pharmacies that have been certified to be accurate. Uh, They're probably only in uh, 10 or 12 grocery stores or pharmacies in the Salt Lake area, as far as we know. The best place to get your blood pressure measured is you need to go see your physician. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm figuring that. Uh, Kelly, we, we invited you in and had um, you and the Dr. Stoltz um, in studio not too long ago. And um, part of the information we wanted to, to share with people is that as we go to our primary care physician or if we go to a clinic mm-hmm. to get our blood pressure me- measured, there are things that we need to watch for to make sure that we're going to get the accurate readings. Can you go over some of those real quick? Yeah, Um One of the things that you can do to help these clinics get a more accurate measurement is not go out and exercise before you show up to the office. Uh, Don't smoke ever, but especially before you get your blood pressure checked. You can also make sure your bladder's empty. Those are all things that it's little by little raise your blood pressure and so present and multiply and make it less accurate. And then once you're there... um, you can you can do things like remind them because, you know, they're busy. They're oftentimes trying to move clients in and out. And you can remind them that, hey, I need to have my feet flat on the floor. I need to have my back supported. And kind of make sure that they have your arm at, at um, well, what did you say, at table like a- level, like at heart level mm-hmm. um, when they do it. Sometimes they'll put you up on a, a bed Yes. And your arms hanging An there. Exam and table, your sure. Feet are hanging there, and you can say, you know, I'm really trying to watch my blood pressure. I'm getting a little bit older, maybe starting menopause or whatever the kind of things that are, you know, all of us have to keep looking at. And you say, I really want to pay attention to this and make sure I get it right. Feet on the floor, arm at heart level. Um, what am I missing? So, uh, no most errors in blood pressure measurement technique falsely elevate the blood pressure. Mm -hmm. They have done uh, about six studies with more than 8,000 patients Mm -hmm. where they have compared blood pressure measured by usual office staff using usual office technique with a trained nurse using guideline quality technique in the same patients. Inaccurate blood pressure measurement technique on average raises your blood pressure 10 over 7 millimeters of mercury. 
Patients need to rest for five minutes quietly, seated in a chair, back supported, not on the exam table. The cuff size needs to be correct for the mid-arm circumference. There can be no talking by anyone during that measurement. And if the first measurement is elevated, then two more measurements need to be taken one minute apart. You don't consider the first measurement, and you average the last two measurements, which will reduce the prevalence of hypertension by 18 to 34 percent because the first blood pressure is often falsely elevated due to what is called an alerting response. The problem with this is to take three accurate blood pressure measurements uh, manually takes 8 to 11 minutes. Never going to happen. And so the current recommendations from all of the international guidelines is that blood pressure should be measured using automated electronic equipment, not using manual equipment that we have used over the years. And it should be done with a validated monitor that you have purchased and proven, uh, looking at the labels, that it has been validated for accuracy. The approach that most of us favor now is to take three automated measurements one minute apart with the patient completely alone in the examination room, which will do two things. Number one, because the blood pressure measurements are automated, many of the technical errors of blood pressure measurement are eliminated. But in addition, measuring the blood pressure three times uh, with the patient alone in the room reduces what we call white coat blood pressure elevation, where blood pressure is higher in the clinic than it actually is out of the office. And so that is the favored approach uh, for measuring blood pressure in most of the national and international hypertension guidelines. It's interesting that you'd, you'd go over those because, as you mentioned, most of us as we go to a physician's visit or we see a nurse practitioner or PA, whoever may be our front line, that's not the experience we are having. And I know that as part of the Million Hearts Coalition, you have been working with practitioners and family care uh, clinics and, and um, hospitals to ensure that we're getting better quality blood pressure readings. I mean, that's been part of your goal. But having that information as a patient, as a patient to me, is a game changer. It means I have the information I need mm -hmm. to request to the best of their ability to give you the most accurate reading. So we can work on our end to work with these systems and these hospital systems to get the right equipment and to do the right training. And that's something we're doing as a coalition. And then I think another part that you're going to see a lot more in the future is patient empowerment and our own, our own knowledge. And um, so I think something you brought up is being able to speak up and say, aren't I supposed to have my feet on the floor? Aren't I supposed to, you know, have rest now that it's high? And even going to the step of getting a home blood pressure monitor, because there's very few people that are diagnosed with diabetes that aren't sent home with a glucose monitor, and then they can start getting awareness of how that food's affecting their body. But with hypertension, it's been so hard to get an accurate measurement that we sort of say, well, maybe it was high this time, it won't be last time, or it wasn't the time before. But we don't send people home with a monitor 
and say, why don't you take your blood pressure three times a day, morning, you know, see when it is high, notice what you have, and start to become empowered and do it correctly. I appreciate that, that you brought that up, because one, um, I'll use the term game changer again, is after you both were so generous to join us in studio last year, and we talked about the goals of lowering blood pressure and the option to have a blood pressure monitor in our own home, uh, you mentioned that there were some certifications that were out and about. So when I went on to go purchase one at my home, I was looking for a certified blood pressure monitor. The price was surprisingly affordable. Mm-hmm. It does come, mine came, with an automatic triple blood pressure check so that it would go on my cuff. I'd hit one button then just sit still for a bit. Mm-hmm. And it would, with time, inflate and deflate, inflate and deflate and give me the readings. And then it sent that information to an app on my phone so I could have a history of what was my blood pressure over time. That made my health care so much more easy for me to track and access. And so um, there are certifications for us to look for if we're going to buy a blood pressure kit uh, for home. Yeah, but before we get there, sure. let me just summarize what we think the best approach to diagnose hypertension is currently. Thank you. So when patients come to our clinic, we take an initial blood pressure measurement. We try to use good quality technique. But if the blood pressure is at goal, below 140 over 90 by the older guidelines, possibly below 130 over 80 by some of the newer guidelines, uh, we're done. We think that patient is fine because most errors in technique falsely elevate the pressure. But if the pressure is elevated, then we move the patient to the exam room and we take three automated measurements with the patient completely alone. If those measurements are elevated, then the current recommendation is to diagnose hypertension, you must measure blood pressure out of the office, either with a 24-hour ambulatory blood pressure monitor study that automatically measures your blood pressure every 30 minutes during the day and every 45 to 60 minutes at night, or by doing home blood pressure monitoring twice daily in the morning before breakfast, in the evening before bed, with the same technique. You rest five minutes seated in a chair with back supported. You have a validated blood pressure home blood pressure monitor. You take that measurement two to three times, one minute apart, and you must average 20 to 28 readings over five to seven days to correct for the tremendous variability in blood pressure that there is. And what you would be looking for is a normal blood pressure at home averaged from 20 to 28 readings over five to seven days should be below 135 over 85, not 140 over 90 as it is in clinic, below 135 over 85 on that home blood pressure monitoring. The majority of patients do not use validated devices and they do not use proper blood pressure measurement technique. Now, when you mentioned that, um, I, I love that, the step-by-step, and I appreciate that, that the idea that, of course, you'd get that first check. If it is signaling that there is a possible high blood pressure issue, you go into the room, you get the thorough check, and then from there, you use the term ambulatory 24-hour check. My brain went right away to thinking, does that mean we're wearing some type of a device on our bodies? It means you're wearing bodies? a mm-hmm. very simple device that goes on your arm. It hooks onto your belt. It goes around your neck. 
and it automatically measures your blood pressure every 30 minutes during the day, every 45 to 60 minutes at night. It is the definitive way to diagnose hypertension, and the blood pressures obtained on that study have the strongest correlation with subsequent heart attack and stroke as compared to any other way of measuring your blood pressure. And and for those who just joined us, this is Dr. Barry Stoltz. He is a consultant with the Utah Department of Health uh, for hypertension. He's also uh, with University of Utah School of Medicine. Is that correct? Okay, great. So Dr. Stoltz is also in studio with us is Kelly Robinson. She is the director of the Million Hearts Coalition here uh, in Utah. So we appreciate both of them joining us today. Can you give me the term, again, ambulatory? It is a 24-hour ambulatory blood pressure monitor study. I appreciate you sharing that because I want those who are listening to know that when you are having those conversations with your primary care physician or during your annual check, you're asking about that. If you are getting high blood pressure readings, you're wondering, do I need this? Is this something I should have? The alternative to Mm -hmm. 24-hour monitoring is home blood pressure monitoring twice daily for five to seven days. And if 24-hour monitoring is not available, that's a very reasonable way to confirm the diagnosis of hypertension. But you do have to measure blood pressure out of the office. We have a few minutes together, and I wanted to ask you about information that has just come down for me as, as an individual who doesn't work in the healthcare systems. But it feels like the last few months I've been hearing information that our target ideal blood pressure is actually lower than what we used to think it should be. So where are we and what? You've given us some numbers, but are we all in consensus that the new goal to have lower blood pressure is is, is something we all should be shooting for? I, I think there is not consensus, but let's just go through the history very briefly. In 2003, what is called Joint National Committee 7 from the federal government established that the goal blood pressure in most patients was below 140 over 90. Uh, And for years and years, that's mostly what we have done. In 2014, Joint National Committee 8 suggested that for people over age 50, that less than 150 over 90 was adequate for most patients. Many of us did not accept that. The federal government, specifically the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, in 2014 commissioned the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association to establish a new hypertension guideline for the United States. This came out in November of 2017. And what was different is the scheme of classifying blood pressure. And so a blood pressure is normal, considered normal, quote normal, if it's below 120 over 80. If the blood pressure is 120 to 129 over 80 to 89, it is considered elevated. If the blood pressure is 130 over 80 or higher, it is now considered by this guideline as hypertension. Stage 1 hypertension by this guideline is 130 to 139 over 80 to 89. Stage 2 hypertension by this guideline is 140 over 90 or higher. Now, this guideline has uh, resulted in some controversy. The American Academy of Family Practice, which represents many family physicians in the country, 
the American College of Physicians, which represents many internal medicine physicians in the country, do not accept those thresholds. And they continue to believe that a blood pressure below 150 over 90 for people over 60 is adequate. So there is controversy that's out there. That's not new. We have controversy all the time. However, um, you, as someone who has been deeply involved in heart health and hypertension, you have boiled it down for us. What, out of all those changes, should we be keeping in mind? So right now, 50% of hypertensives in the United States do not have their blood pressure controlled below 140 over 90, let alone below 130 over 80. Half of us. Half of us. So what most of us favor is that you look at an individual patient and calculate their cardiovascular risk, their 10-year risk of a heart attack and stroke. Everybody should have their blood pressure, regardless of cardiovascular risk, should have their blood pressure below 140 over 90. Everybody agrees with that. Everybody agrees with that. If patients have a blood pressure of 130 to 139 and they have a 10-year risk of a heart attack or stroke of 10% or higher, then the new guideline favors in those patients to lower the blood pressure with medication below 130 over 80. If you're 130 to 139 and you have a low cardiovascular risk, less than 10%, 10-year risk of heart attack and stroke, we don't use medications in those patients. We use non-drug approaches to try to lower blood pressure. So the new guideline favors considering cardiovascular risk not just the level of blood pressure, in the decisions to use drug therapy. And with that information, it, it says going back to empowering us mm-hmm. is we need to identify, am I at higher risk of high blood pressure? What are my risk factors? Mm-hmm. Today I learned because my first pregnancy was a high-risk pregnancy with preeclampsia. That put me in a higher risk right there, and that was, what, almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so become aware. Talk to your healthcare provider about your risk, correct? Some of the other risks that are evident are, are diabetes, um, smoking, smoking mm-hmm. obesity, uh, obesity. Mm-hmm. So cholesterol. These, cholesterol, high cholesterol. Those are all things that when he talks about that 10-year risk, those are pushing you over that edge where if you're coming above 120 over 80 and then you have a few more of those risks, Really, really take it serious. Get your blood pressure done correct. Get it everywhere you can get it done and start to know your own body. And then find out from your health care provider the best means for you to control that high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Should it be with medication and or lifestyle changes? Mm-hmm. Or can you lower your blood pressure with lifestyle changes or, or non-medical uh, intervention? And per you se. know you. Mm-hmm. You know your family history. You know your body. And speak up for yourself and, and start doing what's right for yourself. We've got a lot of people thinking right now about blood pressure, which is, is, is exactly what we want us to do, is mm-hmm. to get this information and then say, how can I make myself healthier? Mm-hmm. How can I work to educate the people I love mm-hmm. uh, to help them become healthier, to lower the risk of high blood pressure and everything that that might trigger uh, down the road? Where can we go as, uh, as an individual to find more information? Does the Million Hearts Coalition have a side or there's information with the Department of Health where we can get information about preventive 
heart disease steps? I mean, that's a big question. We what do you think, Kelly? We were talking about it because mm-hmm. a lot of the site we have is um, healthinsight.org forward slash blood pressure. But a lot of the focus that we have had is to do this, um, to work with the clinicians. So we're going to be working on a part of that website. And on there, it has, it says, check my pressure. And that would be, we're going to work on more information to get out there, especially with these new guidelines. American Heart is working with us to try to get the accurate information in an easy way for us all to understand and maybe even bring to our physician. Um, So I would check American Heart. Um, You can check the Department of Health and then search for hypertension or high blood pressure. And ringing in the back of my head is Mm -hmm. what Dr. Stoll said, is Mm -hmm. that annual checkup Mm -hmm. with your healthcare provider so you can know your threshold. Where are you? Right. Because half of us are hypertensive. Is that was that the accurate? Thirty percent of adults in the United States okay. are currently have a blood pressure one forty over ninety or higher. That means uh, close to a million of us. Forty six percent of yeah. adults have a blood pressure one thirty over eighty or higher. It's more like one out of four of us if we were going to start looking at the new guidelines. Okay, and so, then we're looking at elevated and those other things. So more, we're going to more start, like one out of two, 46 percent. Yeah, one out of two or 130 suddenly, over 80 or higher. Suddenly I'm having steamed vegetables Sorry. and chicken for dinner tonight. <laughs> Thank you so much both of you for your ongoing efforts, not only to inform, but to help the state of Utah become healthier, yeah. targeting our number one risk factor, which is high blood pressure. Not only in the state of Utah, but you said around the world. So Kelly Robinson with the Million Hearts Coalition, also Dr. Barry Stoltz with the University of Utah and the Department of Health. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank You're welcome. You.